You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 188 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. So if you're listening to this podcast, it does mean we've managed to get rid of the nerglings out of the system and put out a good audio podcast. Apologies uh, for those who found last week's a little bit, or two weeks ago, in fact, it's a little bit difficult to listen to. Hopefully all our audio issues are behind us uh, and we can get on with uh, chatting lots about the hobby, which is definitely something we're going to do on this week's episode. And in particular, we're going to be concentrating on the new Horace Heresy box so the age of darkness is now up for pre-order we've been chatting about chatting about this a lot over the past few weeks uh, and we've now finally got our hands on the actual box so for our main segment we're going to be opening that box we're going to be talking to you about all the different sprues all its contents uh we've built all the miniatures i know matt and jay have been working tirelessly to get some of these painted so they've got lots of input for this and um, so we're looking forward to seeing how you guys got on um and yeah you know tell tell our listeners if this box is well worth picking up and we will delve a little bit into the rules but i know that jay and matt have got a game lined up in the near future so that's probably something we want to tackle in a little bit more detail on a future podcast and because we will be talking a lot about heresy over the next few weeks so yeah Uh, also on the back of that this week's top three we're going to be talking about our favorite horace heresy characters um, and we'll be reading out some of the community choices later on in the show as well. I think we've had a lot of entries, haven't we, Matt? Yeah, I think so. It's been a popular one. Yeah, it really, really has. And uh, we've also, of course, got all the uh, the latest news as well, of which um, there's some really, really cool stuff uh, for 40k fans, especially if you're into the guard. Um, but before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby for the past couple of weeks. Obviously, we didn't have a show last week while we tried to sort out these audio issues. Um, Jay, do you want to start us off with what you've been up to in the hobby? Yeah. Um, so um, I've been painting Impale Fish, really. Uh, a combination of units for that I already owned for my um, Imperial Fist Army that I've been building and some of the new stuff that we got sent from Games Workshop um, for the Horus Heresy launch. Um, so I, on that side then, I've been building and painting the new Rhino kit, new plastic Rhino. Uh, is it the Demos Pattern Rhino? Demos Pattern Rhino, yeah. Yeah, I know Matt's a big fan of this model. And to be fair, I am after building and painting it. It's really, really cool. Um and the um, Land Raider Spartan, so the new plastic Land Raider Spartan. I mean, that is a beast of a kit. Really, really cool to see that. I mean, I've built a resin one. I'm painting a resin one myself. Um, and it, a model, a resin model that size is always a bit tricky to work with because you've got to um, reshape some of the warped panels. You've got to make sure everything lines up. And the the original Spartan that I built and painted was the one with the track still molded to it, yeah. which made painting it quite tricky. The plastic kit is amazing. Really, really nice. Um, it's almost identical to the resin model. Um, there's a few slight differences, but you'd have to really look closely to spot them. And, and to be fair, the differences don't detract from the model anyway. It's a great looking kit. Um, so, yeah, so I got both that Rhino on the spot and painted up as um, my Imperial Fists. Um, and then I've just been busy sort of putting the finishing touches on the rest of my army. So I've done all the bases now for all of my infantry um i've been working on sigismund who's the first captain who's uh in in the army as well uh i've got my last squad of 
Phalanx Warders built, ready to paint this week. And in front of me, as we podcast, I am busy painting Rogaldorn himself. Ooh, now that's exciting. Yeah. Excellent. You've uh, you've been very, very busy this past couple of weeks, Jay. We have got a deadline, haven't you? You've got a tournament to get ready for. Well, this is it. We've got me me managed to grab tickets for the Horus Heresy tournament in July. This will be the this is a Warhammer World, the first tournament with the new rule set. Um so that that was really what sort of a good motivator to get this Imperial Fist army built and painted. And and to be fair, the the, the end the end is nearly in sight now. I think this this week it'll be almost done. Um We've also got the game. We're going to Warhammer World, myself and Matt, on Friday. Uh, so if anyone's in Warhammer World on Friday, the 10th of June, feel free to, to come and say hello to us. We'll be on the... What's the table called, Matt? It's the one with the big bridge. I, it's the bridge of something or other. And we'll be playing the new edition. We'll have the new books and the new, some of the new models with us. So if you do want to have a nosy before the game comes out, yeah, come over. We'll, we'll show you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this is really like... Obviously, you know we've read the, the the rules and everything for the review, but this is our first actual like full game of it. So, looking forward to that to really kind of like digest how the game plays. So, with that, we'll be uh, talking in more detail next week on how we found it in the in the changes. Excellent stuff. And um, Andy, what have you been up to in the hobby this past couple of weeks? Um, so, like Jay and Matt, I've got an event coming up, oh, I mean, we all have, um, for the 40k doubles at the end of June. Um, so, I've spent the last sort of week and a bit um, basically trying to get um, two war dog stalkers um, built and painted. So, I've got them all built. We're all in sub-assemblies. Uh, they're all primed, uh, and I'm starting to get some base coats on them. Um, just before we started recording. Um, so I'm hoping to get those um, finished by the end of this week. And I've got my Night Desecrator, which I painted up about three, four weeks ago now. Um, and then I just need to decide on an actual basing scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep procrastinating and going back and forth about um, what type of basing scheme I want to go for. But um, yeah, I need to, need to finalise that. And then I've ordered... Um, another box of war dogs, which, you know, I mean, bank holiday has uh, thrown things into chaos. But hopefully that turns up in the next day or two, at which point I'm going to build um, a third war dog. Um, but because you can't duplicate data sheets between players, I'm going to go for a brigand. Um, and the brigand's the one with the Gatling cannon and the... It, it looks like a multi-melter, but it's rules yeah. profile, like a las cannon. Dragon Breath Spear, I think it's called off the top of my head, something like that. Yeah, Dragon yeah, Dragon Breath Flamer or something. Yeah, Spear, something like that. Um which I'm I want a brigand at some point. I mean I want at least two of each of the war dogs. Um so I'm gonna be building that and, and again trying to get that painted probably next week. Um but yeah, so I've been getting the, the other two war dogs to that stage where they are in sub-assemblies and then I can just like leisurely paint the sub-assemblies which is the stage I'm at now um, and then I can't remember if I mentioned it on the last podcast I think I was just finishing them off but I finally finished off uh, Kragnos I think I might have mentioned that on the previous podcast but I can't remember now um, so he's sat in my display cabinet right next to me as we speak and um, yeah I'm super happy that I managed to get him painted because it's uh one of my hobby resolutions is to add 
500 points to free existing projects um <laughs> and and he ticks off one of those three yeah. um straight away so um yeah trying trying to uh trying to get through those hobby resolutions that i finally got to that stage now where all the easy ones are done and the rest of them are ones that i'm really going to have to dedicate some time to um, it makes you feel any better andy i don't think i've done any of mine yet <laughs> June. well the only one i've got left for the for the podcast is to paint 2000 points of um 40k chaos which with these nights um i'm I'm well on my way to so um, see i can't even remember what my things were I, I like how you've got like you're tracking this like by february i'd forgotten so it's going to be a scramble again this time you know january next year when we're going through it again but you're on top of it you're too organized uh, andy <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm only in that well yeah exactly yeah where's the chaos eh but i'm <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And um, you mentioned then, obviously, the, the doubles tournament that's that's coming up. Um, what I've done in the hobby this week is kind of written a lot of lists about what I was going to take because my tower, unfortunately, aren't going to be ready in time. Um, so I wanted to pick an army that was going to help Jay out at the doubles tournament. And I decided to go for the Death Guard. Um, so myself and Matt, only last night at the time of recording, had a practice game, which was very enlightening. Never played the Chaos Knights before. They are pretty, pretty darn tough. And I can imagine an, a doubles army with two players of Chaos Knights is going to be quite a, a tasty prospect. Um, but it was a really fun game, wasn't it, Matt? It was It was ridiculously fun. We were playing the Tempest of War cards, which are just nice, quick games. And I think you got hit a little bit in the first turn with just some very unlikely cards, didn't you? Yeah, the, the, the first two turns were, were pretty rough, but... What the the beauty of I I would say this edition, but also these cards is there was a point in turn three where it all could have been very different, um. But unfortunately, your knight rampager managed to kill off my demon prince and the remainder of my plague marines, thus stopping me from getting two of my objectives, um. Which also also pushed your knight rampager over the whatever it's called the that tally. makes him go super saiyan basically uh and goes absolutely mental um and you also regain some wounds with a clever use of a stratagem as well so yeah we we, we it was an interesting moment that i feel we need to discuss on the on the show where <laughs> your lord of contagion was it it was yeah lord of contagion was good it was you you were in two minds about charging me with my household trait if i charge or get charged I get plus one attack and my weapons get an additional AP. So obviously charging me is a massive risk when the big stompy knight with a million attacks already gets more attacks and more AP. However, your logic was if you could charge in, take him down to his bottom tier, I was, it would only be hitting on fours. Mm. Um, so I well, okay, that's good. And it's it's Dave. He rolled like a three for his charge, and it was all a moot point anyway. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it was it was it was. I forget what the stratagem was called, but there's a stratagem where you roll the dice for every model that the knight has killed, and on a four plus you get a wound back, which unfortunately meant that Dave's unit of plague marines got pounded into the dirt. The the knight healed up. I took the head of your demon prince, and um, for every character that my um, knight killed with his relic fist, he gets an additional attack and additional strength. Now, over the course of the game, he killed like three characters. 
He starts on five. I think he got plus one for a trait. So I think he was on nine attacks by the end of the game, getting an additional one if he charged. Mm. Eight damage each. Yeah. My favourite point was in the very... I think it was... I mean, it was over turn four, wasn't it? But in the very last turn, I draw a card, and it was... Um, bring it they? down. Bring it down, yeah. So, so select... The, the the what was it the, the, the model on the board with the most wounds or something from my team yeah which was your lonely courtist the entirety of your army left on the board so I could have shot him with a heavy stuff but where's the fun in that sent the uh, the knight in and did a grand total of seventy two damage to this poor courtist <laughs> I did feel a little bit sorry for him he was well and truly annihilated because the key thing about going back to that combat is because my my plague marines and demon prince are already in combat with this knight matt was going to go first so the only way i could get a hit in first was if my lord of yeah. um, contagion went in so anyway as it was i rolled a free and and that was the end of that and, and pretty much the end of the game but it was a really really fun game um, I've tweaked my list for the doubles. I will try and give it another run out before the doubles arrives. Um, on the back of that, I had treated myself to a Hellbrute, which I built and painted, um, that I thought was going to go into my death card list, but now it appears it's actually not going to. But it's a fun little reinforcement for the death card anyway. I'll, I'll still get him painted. Um, for actual painting-wise, I've been busy painting Marduk Sedras, the Dark Angels uh, character for the Horus Heresy that we picked up at the Horus Heresy Open Day. He's not yet available on Forge World. Um, I don't think he's out for, up for pre-order for a few weeks yet. But he's a well, fantastic He hasn't got released it yet. It could be months away. Could be months away. He's a fantastic model. Um, should hopefully get him finished maybe tomorrow, maybe um, Wednesday. So I'll get some pictures on Warcom then. And then I fully intend to get some uh, Dark Angels for Heresy painted as well yeah. um, to run along with him. Uh, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. Uh, other than that, in the hobby, I don't think I've read... I painted a few more clan rats. That, that I think that's just going to be one of those things every week I'm going to do a couple of clan rats. Eventually I'll get that um, 600 points finished. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's me. It's always weird over two weeks. It doesn't feel like a lot. I feel like I've missed something, um, but I'm sure it'll come to me. Um, that leaves us with uh, you, Matt. I believe you've been quite busy. I have been a little bit busy, and a lot of it we'll talk about in the main section. But I have built and painted a Kratos heavy assault tank. That's a beast. More on that later. <laughs> I've also built most of the Age of Darkness box and had a whale of a time building mark six marines i also started work on some just air and terminators and some veterans because um we've also been sent by games workshop the liber astartes and the liber hereticus um and i had to change my list unfortunately due to some of the changes in there no biggie and you know i like painting sons of horror so it's it's not <laughs> really a drag to paint some more terminators and veteran marines is it um but yeah, so I had to make a couple of changes to the list on construction. So I've been working on those guys. Unfortunately, they're kind of on the back burner because I've had website stuff to do uh, first. And speaking of which, today I had a, a, a surprise box turn up and uh, Games which was sent us uh, Grim Bjorn and the Bjornings to review. Um, it, they've been stuck in the post, apparently. So I um, filmed the unboxing, washed them, built them sprayed them they might even get some paint on them today so they're they're currently on my desk and um, i'm 
really, really excited to uh, to paint these guys up. On a slight aside, because I don't think we we, we would have covered them last week because we're on pre-order. Um, they're really, really nice models. So we mentioned in the Lord of the Rings um, Defense of the North review that you've got this this Bjorning list, which is a very super niche specialist list where. You know, if you've got a 500-point army, 400 points of it is made up of, two, you know, two models that turn into bears, which is pretty cool. Um, so you've only got, like, a minimal number of these these Bjornings. When we first saw the models, like, that's quite cool, but there's only three sculpts. So even if you only have six models in your force, it's a little bit samey, isn't it? Well, the models in the kit actually build seven different poses and then the models also have two different heads as well, two that fit each body. So you actually get quite a lot of variety. Oh, that's interesting. And not until you're at 700 points will you get a, an exactly duplicate model. So that's really nice. It's good that they've done that. There's like 25 pieces in the kit. You've got like bows and axes and all sorts. And it, like some of the clever multi-part stuff that they've done before, it kind of changes the silhouette of the model by putting the two-handed axe on it instead of the bow and arrow. So, so yeah, really impressed with them. So I will be picking up Bjorn probably tomorrow when me and Andy go to Warhammer World and um, another pack of these. And I can do a 500-point force and then slowly expand them up to 700. Um, also, they can be taken as allies by the Shire. So I've got, I, I've got like 500 points of Hobbits, which is about 7,000 Hobbit models. So being able to take 200 points of that and put a bear instead might keep my sanity a little bit so um yeah and then yeah so i don't know if we said me and andy are off to Warhammer world tomorrow to play some middle earth that'd be really fun because i've not played it for ages so uh yeah looking forward to taking the dunland force out and killing some uh orcs or army of the dead i think it is so yeah exciting times i think we've all been very busy there uh, lots of lots of hobbying going on Looking forward to chatting more about heresy a little bit later on as well. Um, but before we do just that, let's talk about what's been happening in all of the news just recently. So we'll be right back. So what do we have in the news, Matt? Well, we have the big pre-order currently on for the Horus Heresy and there's loads of stuff in it. Obviously, we're going to talk about this in a bit more detail in the main news. But the Age of Darkness box is £180. Again, we'll go into how insane that is later on in the show. I believe you can get it for 144 from Element at the moment as well. So, uh, yeah, get clicking. Alongside that, there's Libra Astartes for 42.50, Libra Hereticus for 42.50, the Kratos Heavy Assault Tank for £75, the Rhino for £28, the special weapon box and the heavy weapon box for £26 each. There's also um, Legion-specific dice for £24. Dave, have you seen the Dark Angels ones? They are beautiful. And there's also transfers for £20 and a map of the galaxy for £17. Really, really cool stuff. May have ordered most of this over the weekend. I imagine most people listening probably have as well. A lot of it is sold out. But... This is mainline stuff, so yeah, this is this is crazy good. But again, we'll talk about that later in the show. News-wise, we've had some interesting stuff happen this week. So, um, Aeronautica Imperialis. It's all been quiet for a while, hasn't it? The last release we had was the Necrons, which were a resin um, fleet, is that the right terminology? And a supplement book for them. And on Warcom, they showed off a new faction for Aeronautica 
the Adeptus Custodius. Oh, yeah. And I've got to say, how cool does this model look? The mm. Ares gunship. It's, yes. a, it's a really cool model. And do you know what I'm really excited about? Because all ever since Custodies have been a thing again in the uh, in the game, there's been talk of um, is it the Shrike, which is like a a, a one man aircraft that the Custodies use. Oh, right. There's never been any artwork. There's never been any models. I mean, Aeronautica. Obviously, they've got two aircraft already. You've got the Ares um, that, that that's coming out, and then there's the um, there's another version of it which is like a heavier transport. I can't remember what it's called. Which presumably be out at the same time, because for the Necrons, the various variants of their uh, flyers came out at the same time, didn't they? Yeah. So I'm really hoping as their sort of fighter craft, we we finally see the Shrike. Um, yeah. So very cool. Yeah. It's. I, I take it you'll be doing a force of these then for Aeronautica when it drops. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Custodians, they they had their 40k book, and I'll I'll have to be honest. I haven't played much with the 40k book, and I find, I mean, you've probably, you can probably comment as well, Andy. I find the stances quite, they give me a headache when I'm playing. Yeah. And, well, um, it, they're, they're very complicated to manage, and to use the army effectively, you need to be able to effectively manage those stances. And I, I, it's just my age, I can't keep up, I can't, <laughs> can't manage. So I, I fell out of love with them a little bit in 40k. With Horus Heresy coming back out now. The custodians are, are, are. I'm looking forward to using them again. And I know myself and Matt are planning a big war in the webway sort of game at the end of the year mm. once once we potentially get rules for the custodians and the demons in the Horus Heresy um, series. So yeah, I, and, and the fact now there's there's an aeronautica coming out. I did paint up all my Eldar, so I've got my Eldar here painted. So I haven't got a pile of shame. I'll definitely be adding custodians next. Amazing, that's cool. So I. We don't know. I suspect these are going to be resin ones because it's probably going to be quite a limited fleet. So I imagine big, nice resin models from Forge World. There is an interesting thing in that article, though, where it calls out um, who they can work alongside. So they'll, 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 they can help the Adeptus Astartes. So I suspect you can sub in the Custody Flyer if you want to. But it also mentions the Divisio Aeronautica. Which is a new faction. Now, whether it's a new name, that could be the catch-all term for the, the, the Aeronautica Imperialis plus the Astra Militarum, maybe, as an official mm. combined army list for both of them. Or the Divisio Aeronautica is something new. I don't know. But, yeah, that is that is interesting. Um, Warcom kind of ends it with an elusive, the what now? Dot, dot, dot. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I suspect we'll see some more aeronautical news coming very soon. Now, gentlemen, we have seen plastic stuff for the Horus Heresy. Not long ago, <coughs> we saw a plastic Sikaran. Uh, this week, Warcom revealed that, yes, the Leviathan is coming in plastic. Oh, I'm so excited by this. It, it looks a bit good, doesn't it? It looks fantastic. Um, I want one of these from a Dark Angels. I want one from a Death Watch. Um, <laughs> and I'll probably have another Space Marine Force at some point that will have to have one of these as well. Just well, one. I... I, 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 I... <laughs> this is spoilers. But some of the uh, the rights of war available. You could take four Leviathans, um, a Daedaro Dreadnought, and about 12 Contemptors as an army. That's what I'm going for, Dave. 
<laughs> oh, but that's going to what what chapter at Legion are you thinking, uh, Matt? I that? don't know. I don't know. That's the hardest part. Loyalist or traitor? Loyalist or traitor? Either or. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fussy. Iron, Iron Warriors. Cool. Oh, Iron, Iron Warriors. Warriors. Yeah. yeah well, Iron I mean, Warriors feel it. It rules wise. Obviously, I, I've I've read through and reviewed the Libra starters. You can check it out on the website. We've got a video for it as well. The Salamanders and Iron Hands would make superb choices for a Dreadnought heavy army from a from a sort of gaming perspective so yeah. and i mean from a law perspective the iron hands especially i think so you get best of both worlds with the iron hands yeah oh and also you know a, 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 a legion we haven't got represented in spruce and bruise so yeah that's a long-term one but i think an army of dreadnoughts would be amazing looking on the battlefield it would it really really would so so yeah so it looks like it's basically the full the full resin kit ported to plastic we don't know when it's out but again they don't tend to show stuff that's out further than three months away. We know that there's two more heavy weapon boxes come in. We know the Sakarans come in. So I imagine maybe a, a month or two, maybe after the, the Age of Darkness box drops, we might have another wave with some of this stuff. One thing I would mention about the, the Vifen uh, announcement is that this uh, first version of it doesn't include any close combat weapons. No, but this is something we often see from Forge World. Um, this is technically a specialist games release from Forge World. Um, in Adeptus Satanicus, we saw the basic Reaver, and then they'd, six months later, release a new kit with, where they sub out the sprue for another one as a different option. Mm-hmm. Um, based on the Contemptor in the core box as well, which we'll talk to in a bit, that might be a thing as well. But yeah, uh, I wouldn't be too worried. They'll be coming, maybe just not in mm-hmm. the initial box. So yeah, so that's super exciting. What's also super exciting are the leagues of Votan, the squats, space dwarfs, whatever you want to call them. And again, we've been having the drip, drip, drip of information from Warhammer community. And uh, yeah, we learn about something cool today on Warcom. Now, the the the, the kin, the Votan, they they aren't um, particularly you know technophobes. They, they fully embrace technology and don't see it as a, a heresy. What they also don't see as a heresy is imbuing things with artificial intelligence to the point where the leagues of Votan have created an artificial brain known as a cerebral unit and bound it into a mechanical body that is then seen as the an e- equal partner within Votan society. You know, it doesn't matter if you're human or a robot, the leagues of Votan are accepting of you. So they have intelligent um, kind of worker robot things that, that work with them. It mentions in the article that they, they do mining, they do cargo hauling, they are pilots for their vehicles, and they're also shock troopers. And interestingly, it also mentions that some of them are wayfinders who use AI to um, course paths through the warp could possibly go wrong there letting a ai delve into the depths of the immaterium but you know that's not a gateway to the dark mechanic is it <laughs> so yeah and we saw we saw the first one of these models who's um it's got echoes of the um i forget what they're called Dave, castellan the castellan robots which are obviously based on dark age of technology tech aren't they but the castellans yeah. are punch card operated so they don't have an ai unit where these are very much intelligent beings however they um they they, they don't feel thoughts they just imitate uh others 
And it does mention that sometimes, very rarely, Iron King can become ambitious or want to become a leader. So mm. that is... That Armies does of golems. Well, yeah. Could we see a HQ option for these guys? A named character, a named robot. Yeah. <laughs> Earth 25, was it, from the Blackstone Fortress? Yeah, exactly. Come back to lead yeah. them. <laughs> I was literally just meant to oh, yeah. mention that as well. <laughs> so that'd be cool. It also made we get a few glimpses into other stuff here that we might see in the future, such as cog robots who were who are not intelligent and I think they're just your like equivalent of a servitor. So we've seen little glimpses of, of the leagues of Votan and they can't be too far off now. Um Jay, as resident like dwarf expert, what are your thoughts on these guys? Obviously very different than than the squats of old. Yeah, they are. So, I mean, I'm really liking this. These, I mean, if you look at the, um, the, 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 the robot we've seen today, he's got like a tool belt and all his tools and he's holding like a spanner and like a, a, a it looks a bit like a bolt gun, but it's not quite a bolt gun. Um, really reminds me of like the dwarven engineers from fantasy. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I, you know, we haven't seen yet any of the heavy exo suits, but I'm really am getting the sort of feeling this is like Warhammer Fantasy Dwarfs in space. Um, we've um, it talks about their uh, navigating through the warp and things like that. Are they going to have any sort of caster type um, units or characters? Well, um, I do wonder this. Room well, I wonder, it could well. I mean, I, would the Votan build a dedicated psycho robot? Because obviously it's safer than letting a human do it. Because you're not going to open yourself up for demonic possession. Or if you do, it's a robot that's been demonic possessed, and uh, you know that that doesn't sound like a bad thing. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. You've just it? read Master of Mankind, Andy. That that's not a bad thing, is it? No, definitely not. What's the worst that could happen, eh? So, um, yeah. so yeah, it is really cool. And like you say, how much longer are we going to have to wait until we see till we see a release date, an army book, some more rules? Um, but definitely liking what we've seen so far. Yeah, they, uh, they, uh, uh, this this model looks cool. I, I like the, the the retro vibes that they've got. There's lots yeah. of curves compared to the angles of some of the Imperium stuff. Mm. Yeah, but like you say, there's that shared heritage, isn't there? You've got like it does look like a bit like a Castell in the domed helmet. It it doesn't look alien, does it? Which is great, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. Dave, what are your thoughts on what we've seen of the leagues of Otan so far? I honestly thought I'd be more on board with them. Don't get me wrong, they are very cool. That that bike that we saw at the um the uh, week long event that we had, Warhammer Fest, was very cool. This robot is very cool. I'm a big fan of robots. Um I, I like them. I like them. I just I, I don't know. They've they've not grabbed me as a full faction yet. I think I need to see a lot more. Um but yeah, they, uh, no no escaping, they look very cool. Awesome. And Again, we mention this every time the, the leagues of Otan come up, but the the lore impl- impl- implications are quite like interesting here, aren't they? Like, you know, artificial intelligence is forbidden by the uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. Mm. So um, the fact that these guys are merrily making AI units and putting them in a robot that may or may not be armed with weapons and definitely is not going to rise up against its masters and kill everyone <laughs> is probably something not to be worried about, isn't it? So yeah, speaking of watching this space, though, there must have been a um, a Vox transmission. That the the warp's a weird place. It it can make messages from the future appear in the past, and 
it, it distorts things. And, and presumably what we saw over the last few days was a, 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 a wayward transmission from the, um, the Astra Militarum and some images were leaked of some new upcoming models. Now, Warcom are always very good at getting to the cores and, and getting some proper nice shiny images out. And they did indeed reveal that we're getting a load of new Cadian stuff, guys. I don't think any of us saw that come in. Especially seeing as how the planet's been blown up. Cajuns were the last kind of Imperial Guard models I thought we'd see for a long time. <laughs> exactly. And well, you know what? I'm not disappointed by what we've seen. So uh, Ursula Creed, the daughter of, um, what was his name? Usaka yeah. Creed? Yeah. Mm. The uh, the commander, the Lord Castellan of Cadia. Uh, she has taken up the mantle. She's even got his jacket, which uh, is impressive getting from the ruins of Cadia. Uh, really, really nice model. I like the mini little like scenic base that we've got. I mentioned it in some of our heresy videos that plastic models now are getting as good as some of the resin collector pieces that Forge World did. Oh, e- easily, yeah, easily. And yeah, she's she's really cool. She even got a helmeted head. I'm not as keen on the helmeted head personally. I prefer oh, without it. I don't know. I think it looks kind of. I don't know. I like it. I like it. It 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 looks so different than anything else in Warhammer 40k, and I think. Yeah, no, I, I like the helmeted version. It almost reminds me of, like, um, who was the, um, what was his name, Dave, in Final Fantasy IX? The big guard. Oh, uh, the knights. Oh. You know who I mean, don't you? That's I know who you of. mean, yeah. Can't think of his name. I absolutely love this model. Um, you know, you just asked me about the leagues of Vol- Voltan, Matt, and it just I wasn't getting that feeling. I got I got the feeling with this model and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm, something else you're about to announce as well. Really I'm getting lots cool. of feelings with this range. Uh, yeah, it's no surprise. I think immediately after we saw these images, I was on WhatsApp to you guys. I'm like, yeah, I'm starting another guard regiment. <laughs> it's been on the cards for a while, but uh, yeah. Now, what may change things from just running out and buying all the guard kits in a minute though is the Kasakin are coming back. So these were the stormtroopers. The elite um, Astra Militarum uh, Cadian specific unit that we got metal ones back in the Ayaterra campaign, I think, Jay, was the last time we saw them. Uh, yeah, Ayaterra, that's right. They came out, if you remember, with the Space Wolf um, 13th Company, the old Wolfen models, which predate the existing Wolfen models. So you're, yeah. you're talking 20 years ago, I think. Well, these are the best, the best, the best. Kind of the finest armor, the best weapons, hot shot las guns, yeah. rebreathers, the whole business. And they just look amazing. Mm. I really like these Kasuki models, yeah. Very nice. And I think as well, they've done such a good job, I think, of, um, uh, you know, revising the the older kit. You know, it doesn't look too too different from the older kit, I don't think. It's like they've done it quite a lot with, like, Mephiston and different characters that have released over the years. Very cool. Yeah. I wonder, is this a Kill Team kit? I mean, they'd be perfect for Kill Team, wouldn't they? Yeah. Mm. I mean, that'd be technically three Imperial Guard squads that we've got if you include the Traitor Guard. But then that is the kind of thing that works for Kill Team, maybe. I mean, I might be wrong, and this is just a you know a standard kit, but they do seem like Spec Ops guys that you'd have in a Kill Team. Mm. Um, either way, they look gorgeous. What also looks gorgeous, and I imagine we'll start some arguments on the podcast in about 20 seconds, is the new Plastic Sentinel. I have built lots of Sentinels over the years. The old metal one was a dog to build. The current plastic one, I'm not a fan of. This new one, it looks beautiful. 
David, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Sentinel? <laughs> ah, I knew you were going to do that. Right, so I quite like the current Sentinel. I think it's got a bit of a Star Wars vibe to it. Um, I quite like yeah. it. When I first saw the image that was leaked, I will admit I wasn't too fussed on the new look Sentinel. Um, I thought it looked too much like they'd taken the Dune Crawler, squashed it a little bit, and put it on legs. I don't know. It, it just didn't. It didn't really appeal. Now that we've seen the better images, however, I will retract those statements <laughs> and I will say that actually. It is a very cool looking tank, but there are definitely some Adeptus Mechanicus nods in that in that like uh, armor piece at the front, and even the little vent at the back. That is that is taken straight from the uh, Mechanicus flyers. Um, so yeah, they've definitely uh, built this for the Imperium. Uh, but yeah, I I, I I do like this model. You know what I like about it? The old the I think the old center I don't like because it is essentially a seat on legs, where this it has a cabin. Mm. Where you can imagine like the the engines in the back there and all the controls. The current one doesn't seem like there's enough space for a guy to operate it, and I think that's it, what bugs me about it. He's got enough space in there to have his dinner. He has got enough. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got a little lunchbox uh, tucked under mm. there, and just I don't know, the, like the the side mounted um, Hellstrike missile, the kind of like boxes kind of like tied up onto the side of it. The 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 new looking weapon options that we've got yeah. on this thing as well. It it looks very very tasty and i hope we get them in like boxes of three so i can do a big like uh, he also mentioned that it builds the the um the scout version as well i assume this one that we can see here is the um the kind of armored sentinel mm-hmm. and maybe some of that paneling and stuff gets removed for the scout sentinel maybe has a cage over it instead of the enclosed kind of cabin that'd be pretty cool mm-hmm. you know what would also be cool mm-hmm. if if the Scout Sentinel has an exposed cage and it's got like a power claw or something on it, so you can finally recreate the power lifter out of aliens. Yeah, that would be do it in that colour scheme. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, I might do it in that colour scheme anyway. So yeah, Just do one amazing. of them in that colour scheme, like the squad leader, that'd be ace. Yeah, it'd be really cool. So these are cool. But however, Warcom have said there's more coming. And if you look at the image, that the original image that leaked... And kind of walk on put a, a, a grainy version of it on there. I think you can see a new Cadian squad and Cadian heavy weapon squad in the background. It's weird, isn't it? Because I think what caught us by surprise about this was that we had the Cadian upgrade sprue, which is a very, very good upgrade sprue, um, I will say. Um, so we weren't expecting maybe a new kit to replace that. Um, but then, but, but then maybe it's not replacing it. Maybe that kit is part of the new one, and they've just had the upgrade sprue with the heads and weapons first. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, you could be right. Um, alternatively, they could be a com an alternate build of the the Kassikin, uh unit. But I don't know. I think they're too armored. Maybe to, well, maybe not. I don't know. I I, I feel like they're a bit too armored to be a dual build with standard Cadians. You know what? I think you can actually see the Scout Sentinel in, right at the background of that image as well. The Scout Sentinel? Um, uh, yes, you can, and it has got an exposed um, kind of uh, cabin, yeah. yeah. yeah I think there's an, a new uh, Command Squad model as well, because the guy with the banner doesn't look like the one from the current plastic kit either. You're right. 
Yeah, and that's a different uh, commander uh, at the front with a chainsaw as well. So perhaps they're returning. This is it. We we always assume that they're not going to replace all plastic kits, but to make uh, army sell, if you can put out and replace all the kits and kind of rejuvenate it, then you know a new kind of codex is the perfect time to do it. Again, this kind of thing where we've, there's probably about six or seven kits in this image then. It's such a shame that Skaven aren't getting that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I, the the KD models are really old. Not as old as the Catcher models. They're horrific. Um, <laughs> and I, I'd have put my money on more Death Core or Krieg stuff coming. Krieg Command Squad, Krieg Heavy Weapon Squad, and and use the sprue budget that way. But arguably, Cadians are your iconic guardsmen, aren't they? And they are. A lot of people will have been put off. I mean, me myself, I've not really done a Cadian army recently I've done like two over the years just because the models are a bit dated even with that upgrade sprue where if you can put together a, a, a Cadian army with modern plastics I imagine a lot of hobbyists will be jumping on board with that for me there was always just that that project that always kept getting in the way um, of, of doing a, a full guard army I've got a few kits that just ready to be painted really but I've just never got around to them. There's always been something slightly more important that stepped in the way. Um, maybe finally, when this book lands, I'll I'll get a guard army, but um, I'll probably get my sisters up and running first. But we'll see, because the Warcom article, and I'm sure you're about to say this, Matt, so apologies if I'm stealing your words. Um, Warcom do say that these are some ways away yet, um, but this is only a taste of, of what's to come. Yeah, I think we've got a similar situation with the... Um the the slaves to darkness where somebody maybe in like publishing has got hold of a book way 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 early like way outside of that three month period this could be next year perhaps um but that gives me time to get my chaos space marines painted doesn't it mm, it does so yes yeah, so that's an exciting assortment of news for for all tastes really Excellent, excellent stuff. So that brings a new segment to a close. We do have our main segment coming up next. So we're going to grab a fresh brew and we'll be right back. Jay and Matt, can you cast your minds back? We, we must be talking, I don't know, 50 podcast episodes ago, 100 podcast episodes ago, where you two mentioned a leaked images of a new heresy box um, and a new edition of the game being um, on the horizon. When do you think that was? It was about a year ago. It was about, it was about a year ago. A year ago, give or take. I remember you in particular, Jay, being so excited that we were going to have this in like the next three or four months. Yeah, um, well, well, I started painting up all my Blood Angels. I was, I mean, I, I can't remember where we were up to in the Siege of Terror Black Library series, but my. Um, my love of heresy was very, very strong. And then to see those images, yeah, yeah, I was very excited by it. It's taken some time, and I think we've got COVID to blame for it. But we have finally got in our hands the brand new Age of Darkness box. It's Heresy 2.0. And what an absolute tome of a box this is. Um, now, Matt and Jay, you've had a busy couple of weeks. You've uh, primarily been the keepers of, of getting this stuff reviewed built painted 
digesting the rules i think you're better equipped to take us through this next segment take us through the box uh, and what people who you know maybe on the fence of pre-ordering could be missing out on yeah so so it's not just the age of darkness box that we've got as well so there's been a few other supplemental things that have dropped alongside this like the kratos heavy assault tank the demos pattern rhino the the various weapon upgrade kits and the two big Liber Astartes and Liber Hereticus. Now, today we're not going to talk too much on the rules side of things because I think we can probably fill a couple of weeks with that. I think a week alone, each of the Liber volumes we could easily do and the core rules themselves. So, what we're going to focus on really is the kind of miniatures and value and just nostalgia, I guess. Um, Jay, should we start on the Age of Darkness box itself? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> So, ahead, yeah, so, so this, 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 we, we knew it was coming. We saw all the images. I think the big question mark was price. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago at the, the Horus Heresy event, Games Workshop announced that it would be less than £200, which is crazy. It turns out £180, which is £144 from independent retailers, for two Praetors, a fully plastic modular contemptor with most of the options more on that later um 10 terminators 40 mark 6 marines and a plastic rhino and the full hardback rule book and all the player aids and templates and even whippy sticks i don't think any of us thought we'd be able to get all of that for 144 pounds it's frighteningly good value isn't it when you think about it I mean, you'd pay more probably just for the Mark VI tactical marines and a Praetor. Well, yeah, so the, the the old marines, the heresy ones, I think were £35 for 10, I want to say. So based on that, that's like £140. Now, what I will say, these uh, Mark VI marines are not as poseable as the old ones. I think they've been built more with... Uh, getting the army together quickly but that's not to say they don't look as good if anything personally i think those mark six marines look better dave you've you've seen them for the first time yesterday what are your thoughts on the new beakies i really like them they're not they're not my favorite helmet in armor choice um but actually seeing them um in person i, I was actually quite impressed with that I, I really like them i think mark three still steals, steals my heart um, but I do like these Marines. I, I mean, I don't know about you, Dave, but I find some of the older Marks are a little bit stumpy compared to these new Mark VI suits. Yeah, Certainly absolutely. the resin models. If you buy some of the resin Mark IV Assault Marines, resin Mark III Tactical Marines and Breachers, they are. They're not as they're not as big. They look like almost like Space Dwarfs, really, compared to yeah. the new, um, plastic Mark VI. The plastic Mark IV, the plastic Mark III, is still a bit shorter than the Mark VI, but I don't think the difference is that bad. I think they look okay side by side, whereas the resin Mark IVs and whatnot, I think, are a bit on the small side now. Yeah, which is, and again, we, we were chatting about this uh, the other day. Is the, the main victim of this are really those Horus Heresy Book One armies, so the Sons of Horus, the World Eaters. I think the Emperor's Children in that one. All those ones with early resin kits, and they, I, I suspect at some point they'll get updates, but at the minute they kind of uh, don't look as pretty at all as some of the new Mark VI guys. Um, 
what's really cool about the Mark Sixes though is the special and heavy weapons. So Games Watch Force sent us free copies of those to have a look at. And I think these are incredible value as well. So I've got the, the special weapon upgrade set in front of me here and it's twenty twenty six pounds and it comes with sixty weapons. Now in the world that was you'd be talking £17.50, I think the Forge World upgrade packs were. And I think you only got five weapons, five or ten weapons for that as well. Um, these are incredible. Because the models are not as poseable in that each kind of model will build one pose, there's specific guns that fit onto specific arms with the hands at the right alignment, which means that you can spend an hour or two building 60 of these marines and then just go through and give the ones that you want bolters, the ones that you want plasma guns, the ones that you want melter guns with no issues. The heavy weapons are a little bit more complex because of the different way that they hold the weapons. It replaces the arms. And again, those arms are specific to certain bodies as well. But it means they can do some really dynamic stuff. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the missile launcher squad that I built up. But we've got yes. some really cool stuff like the sergeant's kind of like dropping the rocket down to his side while he's checking his ore spec scanner. Just really kind of like nice stuff like that. I really like the old school vibe of the weapons too. It's a lot of this box runs on nostalgia for me. From the whippy sticks in the box to the the just old school aesthetic of everything. It's I, I, you know when was the last time we had reference sheets within a core rule book? <laughs> We're a talking long time like, ago. Yeah, a long time ago. This, opening this up, and you know, obviously we were very lucky to get this a couple of weeks before release, but opening this up reminded me of being a kid and opening up the second edition 40k box with my brother and, and looking through the reference sheets and the, the measuring sticks and the templates and the dice and the, the big chunky rule book. It's, and I think that's what this is going for, you know, what this box has got going for it. A lot of old school kind of 40k players this is like their childhood in a box if that makes sense to you guys no yeah it you, does. You, you're definitely right but at the same time it all looks so cool so detailed so okay, well yeah, sculpted. Yeah. yeah that's what i mean it's like the, the the feeling of the game like back when we started it but with modern sculpting technology yeah it's epic so yeah, so we 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 built up the some of the marines using the upgrade kits, and they were no hassle at all. I built up the contemptor. Uh, I think you've got the contemptor there, Dave, haven't you? I and do. Side by side, you wouldn't know it's a plastic one. No, you absolutely would not. It is every part as poseable as the resin one. I will say, I found it took longer to build than a resin one, if only for the part the fact that the the foot and the kind of leg sections on a resin contemptor are one piece where for the plastic one obviously that's four different surfaces that you're sticking together so what i would do is build each part of the leg get the foot that you want and just like with the resin one there's there's two variations for each fit on whether you want uh, whether you want the foot flat on the floor or kind of like angled to be walking or running build all those sections up and then what you can do is then position it in the way that you want it. It is it is really quite poseable. I went for quite a subtle one with the one that you've got there, Dave, where it's kind of like striding forward because mm. it looks a bit more natural in the just 
I think both feet planted on the ground, him just standing there is a bit static. So just kind yeah. of gently walking forward and aiming his gun looks quite cool. What you can also do, though, is have it running full pelt and have it a lot more dramatic or swinging at something with its power fist. It, it, it's leagues above the old plastic contemptor that used to used to get in those boxes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Which was just stood there. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't doing anything special. Now, there is a bit of a caveat on this kit, and I mentioned in our review i suspect when this is available for purchase separately there'll be an additional frame in there notable exceptions from the kit are plasma weaponry volkite weaponry and kerry's assault cannons um and something to differentiate it as a um a ancient they called so you can use it in the uh the right of war that lets you take an ancient as your, your hq I've got a feeling that in order to stop cannibalization of this, because let's face it, this box is cheap. The individual parts are probably going to be dirt cheap on eBay. And to make a Contemptor still an attractive purchase, I suspect they're going to have that frame in the box when it's available separately. If you don't want those weapons, though, I've got a feeling you'd be able to get a lot of Contemptors pretty cheap to make your awesome right of war I don't know what your guys thought. I don't think it's an issue myself. You're getting kind of a lot of options in this box, but maybe the the best options are in a separate kit. I think for the value of this box, um, I would find it hard to complain. They've given you options. It's not like you're stuck with the same build, which they could have done for a box of this value. Um, So I've got no issue with it personally. No, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, when you look at the... The contents of the box and you've got 14 mark 6 tactical marines all on with bolt guns you know for me i look at the spartan and think okay great it's got loads of las cannons i look at the contemptor and i'm like it's quite nice in the sense that it, it it's got that dreadnought close combat weapon but you can also give it that las cannon if you want to sit back with it or or get closer it's a nice versatile kit but yeah i i, I love it i think it's awesome yeah, I mean, you, you cannot complain at the value for money in this box. You know, it must be the biggest sort of army in a box for that price that they've done. You know, yeah. you you've got, what, 40 tacticals, four squads of 10, two heroes, a dreadnought, a tank, 10 terminators, the rule book, your dice, your template. I, I can't remember a box being such good value. I think the fact that your Contemptor comes with what? It comes with the last cannons, the auto cannons, the heavy bolters. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy with that, I think. We did the maths on it, and before upgrades, there's about 1,700 points worth of stuff in the box. Mm. So after upgrades, you can probably get it pushing 2,000 points. Mm. You then add a Primark, and you add a, a, another, maybe the, the, the special Terminator squad and the special Power Armor squad for your Legion, or add something like the Kratos, which is a big points investment, and you can get a 3,000 point army for a lot cheaper than you've ever been able to do that before. Massively. Yeah. Horus Heresy always had that sort of barrier to entry as well. I think, Dave, this is maybe one of the reasons why you haven't gone all in on it before. Um, in that, yeah. yeah, I mean, you were looking the other day at the Deathwing Companion Squad, weren't you, for the Dark Angels? Was it like nearly £80 for a squad of five? And you compare that to building a 40k army, and and it is a different scale. And I think you have to go up to at least 3,000 points really for a decent game 
generally. Yeah, there, there was like zone mortality and things like that. It, it was a barrier to entry, and I think Games Workshop just Games Workshop would demolish that barrier now with this box set because, like you say, Matt, you don't even need to invest in all of the resin specialist legion no. specific units straight away. You just add in your plastic Kratos, add in a couple of plastic rhinos, and okay, treat yourself to a Primark, and there you've got three thousand points, and then you just add in a unit of Siege Tyrant, Iron Warrior Terminators, or you know Reaver squads for your for your Sons of Horus at a later date. And I think this is maybe the reason why this this box is such a bargain price because it it gets a lot of new people into the hobby. And let's face it, those people will eventually buy all the cool Legion specific stuff and and pump some more money into the game. But the fact that you know the kind of people who've wanted to put together a I don't know Siege of Terror Imperial Fist army and they can use everything in this box. There's nothing in this box that is a bad choice. Arguably, maybe your two Praetors. Yeah, that's the only thing. It surprises me there's two Praetors and not another character. I mean, I don't. Uh, maybe because they envisage this set being split between two people, and of course each person's going to need their own HQ choice. Um, but that that's something. If I if I could criticise it at all, it would be that the HQ selection because there are so many cool HQ options in Horus Heresy, all the Legion Centaurians and consoles and things. Yeah, I think in most of the lists that we've built. We've not taken any of those Praetors because you're probably going to take your Primarch, you're probably going to take your your kind of like Legion Commander and then a special character that does something cool for your army. But thinking of people new to the game, you know what I'd have liked to have seen in here, Jay? One of them being a specific console or something. Yeah, that's it, like a librarian or a chaplain or a, a Legion standard or something like that. But I can sort of see what they did because you've got, you, it, it, they pitched it sort of as a two-player starter set. You split the box in half. Uh, and that is, you know, that is that is kind of the way that starter boxes have always been. And you can absolutely do that. You know, the box contents are painted as Sons of Horus and Imperial Fish. You get transfers for both. It, it's it's doable to do it like that. And that's maybe a nice way for um, people to build an army. And you know what? Just looking at the box, that's even reflected by the Legion rules. So I mentioned I had to kind of move around my Sons of Horus army because in their right of war you can't take more heavy choices than you've got uh, fast choices and that side of the box for the Sons of Horus is perfectly legal as that you've got a load of tactical marines you've got a contemptor you've got your praetor and then going on to the Imperial Fist side of the box, again, that's quite a nice force. You've got 10 tactical marines, two squads of five terminators, a Spartan to put one of them into, and your Praetor. You could even use that as the, the pride of the Legion right of war. And you've got a nice little legal force there as well, Jay. I mean, you're more of the Imperial Fist expert, but would that be like a fairly decent starter force? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you, your tactical range with your bolters plays into the um, Imperial Fists sort of Legion of Starties rule. Um, the Imperial Fists are all about Terminators. And, I mean, you can, if, for, for, for you know, a reasonably priced on the Forge World website, buy the Imperial Fist Cataphract upgrade set to give them all those Vigilus Pattern Storm Shields. So you've got those 10 Terminators with the Storm Shields. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Matt. No, that's cool. So whichever way you split the box, really, whether you have it yourself or between two people, it's it's really good. The only issue with two people currently is that obviously you've only got the one rule book in there and you can't buy the rule book separately. But I suspect that a lot of hobbyists will be buying multiples of these and you should be able to get a cheap 
Age of Darkness rule book on the secondary market, I imagine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people are going to be doing two legions, three legions. I, I've picked yeah. up a um, a box as well myself. So obviously I've got my Imperial Fist, um, but I, I picked one of a box to do another another Loyalist Legion as well. What are you thinking, Jay? Oh uh, well, Blood Angels is what I'm always thinking. I'm always thinking Blood Angels, but as you know, Matt, I have been I've been reading Warhawk again. And <laughs> the White Scars keep tempting me, but I'm going to try and stay true to the son of um, the, the son of the angel. See, the I angel. was uh, I was thinking of picking up a set so I could spray them yellow. <laughs> Only joking. <laughs> spray them yellow, what, and then smash them up to litter on, on the bases of your Iron Warriors. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> make good basic material. <laughs> So you you built and painted the Spartan out of this. I know you talked about it a little bit earlier, but how how did you find the kind of building experience compared to the resin one from way back? Um, when? Really enjoyable. So the obviously Games Workshop have come along such a a long way in terms of instructions and and the way they put models together. Um, and I didn't there was never there was no awkward bits to this model. Um, the instructions were very, very well, very, very detailed. I thought the instructions actually. Um, they went into detail on lots of different options because there's lots of customizations on on the spawn. You've got the different um, front sort of um, hull-mounted turret weapon you can use as as las cannons or heavy bolters, um, and then also the the sort of um, the guy on top. You've got like places where you can put the searchlights, the missile launchers. You've got the different sort of um, gunner or commander options as well in the um is it mark two i uh, mark two iron armor. armor yeah yeah um so you've got lots of flexibility i think you know you can build a couple of different spartans if you if you've got one or two of these boxes that will look, would look different um the model itself is so big so chunky so imposing it's a really really nice centerpiece model and and the fact that you get that in that in that lot that starter set that's phenomenal really um so yeah, I really like putting the, the Spartan together. Um, the tracks as well, um, the, the the first um, generation Spartan, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the resin one, the tracks were all sculpted on. Um, so if you were, you know, you were spraying your, your Spartan and McCrack Blue for an Ultramarines, for example, you'd then have to go back and painstakingly paint all those tracks and, you know, potentially mess up the blue underneath and go back and touch up blue. Here, the, the tracks are all on their own sprues. You just spray them separately and glue them on after you've built the kit. Um, the interior is all um sculpted as well so you know if you wanted to you could paint all the inside all the consoles the lights the seats and all that sort of stuff i didn't uh, we were we were up up against it really with a time limit as well but to be fair i, I wouldn't no one's going to be picking up my tank and looking inside anyway um but yeah i, I really like the spot and um, i'm looking forward to like i said i've bought I've, I've ordered one of the boxes from element games is it 140 something pounds from element games 144 from element yeah i mean you can imagine the spartan is going to be 60 quid at least plastic kit when it comes I, out so, so the kratos is 75 pounds and it's a similar size so i suspect around about that price point yeah so i mean i can't i just to me <laughs> the, the amount of models you get in that for the price is just and, and on top of that you get your rule book how much is a rule book going to be 20 30 quid 40 50 quid i think 40 quid for the age of sigma rule book yeah so I, I i cannot understand how how the games workshop finance team have managed to get this box out at this price it's incredible um, yeah. Um. On on the Spartan, one of my favourite things about it is that there's actually only one Spartan sprue, and the rest of them are generic Land Raider sprues. Because the if if you take the middle part of it out and replaced it with the small kind of centerpiece of the Proteus uh, right air Land Raider, I I think that's how they're going to do the other variants. Just release a single sprue that then makes a different pattern Land Raider 
which is genius from a reusing the sprues point of view. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes business sense for the future Land Raiders will see. Yeah, it's, it's something we see across all the vehicles, generic sponsor sprues and generic upgrade sprues. Um, and again, we mentioned earlier in the, in the show, uh, the Forge World kind of releases tend to do this, where they can then release the same kit with a different sprue in future and build a different variant. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see the Proteus pattern Land Raider very soon, which personally... I like more than the Spartan, but then I'm I'm a old school second edition player. <laughs> you've you've not built and painted a Spartan yet. Oh, you have. You've got. You I have. I've got an Empress Children yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. a big chunky one. But it's just a nostalgia of that old, especially with it having the old style sponsors as well, which I know you weren't a fan of, but I think this has warmed you to them, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it has. It wasn't particularly this tank that warmed me to it, although I have to say the the, the sponsors are a joy to put together, considering they're quite complex pieces. And I remember when I built the resin one, the, the sponsors in particular were very, very tricky to get right, to line up, to put together. Brilliant on this. Re- no issues at all. Really, really straightforward. But it was actually the sponsors on the Arquita Siege tank when I was putting that together, the heavy bolts, and I was actually thinking, you know what, these have got a bit of a charm to them. I quite like them. So, yeah, I am a convert now. I do like them. Well, so, well speaking of the sponsors, that segues quite nicely to the Kratos Heavy Assault Tank, to give it its full title. And this one kind of came out of nowhere. I think we first saw it shown off at the Horus Heresy uh, event kind of out of context without a, there's a model in the cabinet i think but it's hard to until you've got the model in your hands it's hard to kind of like feel how big it is when it's just like in a display cabinet it's all like nicely lit and everything and i was surprised at how massive this thing is so it's kind of like the midway between a kind of main battle tank and a super heavy isn't it it's on the it's definitely on the heavy end of heavy just creeping into that heavy support choice yeah um, but it's basically if a, I don't know, a Sakaran and a Predator had a baby and then fed it like performance enhancing drugs. It's um, kind of got the shape of a Sakaran and those those cool kind of side parts with those old school sponsons, but then like a Predator shaped kind of turret on it. But with the, the, the bulldozer blade on the front of it is pretty much the same length as a Spartan. And again, it was so fun to put together. <coughs> yeah, and again, it was so fun to put together. It um, again wouldn't surprise me if we get some further weapon variants in the future. But in the stock kit, you get like the main kind of battle cannon, you get Volkite weaponry, and you get a massive melter gun of doom. And then the sponsors can take whatever you like, uh, melter. Plasma, Blas, Volkite, Heavy Bolters, whatever you want on the side of it, it can go. It's then got hull-mounted guns. I originally was going to build it with all the Volkite, because Volkite's cool, and Dave's having nightmares about Volkite at the minute following our game yesterday. Uh, But um, I I decided to have it as a dedicated tank hunter, because that's something I was missing in my Emperor's Children. And it clocks in at over 500 points, which is a lot of points for something that could, you know... In Heresy, you could get a lucky shot against it and destroy it. But that is a massive threat to all the, I imagine, many Spartans that we'll see trundling across the table at the moment. Not to mention it also really reduces the amount you need to buy. Like you said, when you buy the Age of Darkness box set, that was, what, 1,700 points? 
before upgrades, yeah, you could probably push it to 2000 if you upgraded everything to the max. So throw in one of these and then a Primark and, you, and you're pretty much done, aren't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and and uh, again, I think the £75 for it is a big tank. It looks nice. Unfortunately, I think it's sold out at the minute because I think a lot of people have fallen in love with this thing. Um, and alongside it, we've got the Demos Pattern Rhino, which is actually cheaper than the current plastic rhino that you can buy. And what? it is just infinitely better. Yeah, I think the current rhino is like £32 and this is £28. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a recent convert on this vehicle as well. Uh, I, I like the current 40k Rhino, but after having built and painted this Demas Pine, oh, it's so cool. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It just looks like a friendly vehicle in my mind. <laughs> friendly vehicle. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's just got, it's nice. It's got, it's got like nice dimensions. Uh, and, you know, it, it just looks good. Plus, you've yeah. done a phenomenal job painting it as well, Jay. Oh, yeah. Cheers, Andy. Yeah, an Imperial Fist there. So uh, a lot of battle damage on it as well, which I think is quite good for the Rhino because I think the Rhino has a rule where it can sort of self-repair as well. It's quite a reliable, rugged little thing. Yeah, and 35 points, so a bargain. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... I I mean, I've always been a fan. Again, like with the Proteus Land Raider, it's just nostalgia for me that, like, when I started the game... It looks like the plastic kits that you could get then, but obviously a lot better and more detailed kits now. Yeah. Um, and I really hope that we get sooner than later the, the the Predator sprue for it, because again, as you can see, a lot of people doing units of Predators because they look so nice with the rounded turret on that Demos body, more so than the current 40k Predator, I think. Yeah, and some of the rights of war as well allow you to take their Predators as a troops choice in squadrons, so. Well, this is another army I've been thinking of as well. So, obviously, the All the Dreadnoughts All the Time army would be cool, but there's the Armoured Spearhead, I think it's called, where you get to take a Predator as a HQ choice, and then you can take Predators as troops choices. And can you imagine just an entire army of Predators? I mean, Dave, surely there's something stirring in you to do a tank company for Horus Heresy. Yeah, there, there definitely would be, especially all these plastic tanks as well. Um, yeah, could definitely feel like vibe. I don't know if I could go completely tank so Matt. I might have to add in some other armor. Well, you'd probably you probably would want some other units, but the the, the perfect thing is you can take tactical squads in rhinos, and it still keeps the theme of the army. You've then mm-hmm. got some important line choices, which we'll talk about a bit more in next week's show. But as opposed to 40k, only certain units can score objectives. Everything can deny an objective but only specified line units can score, which means that if you don't build your army right, you could potentially build an army that can't actually claim any objectives, which obviously is not great from a tactical point of view. Mm. Um, so that way you could throw some tactical squads in rhinos, have them trundling up with your predators. It'd still look amazing, but you might be able to win some games as well. So... Obviously, we, we, we've talked very briefly about the rules. Um, chaps, from an army point of view, have we got any ideas of, of what forces we're putting together, how we're finishing off our forces, anything we've been inspired to do based on what we've seen in this box? Well, you guys made it super easy for me. So I started looking at, obviously, the box and um, stuff that I was able to obtain to try and create a list. And um, Jay and Matt very kindly stepped in and, 
maybe a listener said, Dave, is this the kind of army that you want to go for? It just shows how well you guys know me. So you've written me a list, <laughs> which is that which is absolutely crammed full of plasma. Um, there's very little in that list that does not have a plasma weapon of some kind. And it was absolutely perfect and fits the Dark Angels vibe so much. And I also get um, the Spartan tank in there and a Contempt of Dreadnought as well. And a Sicarian when it comes out. So that's that's you guys have done the hard work for me and you've created a 3,000 point list that I'm, I'm definitely going to, to, to paint and have ready for, for war. Um, Matt, I know you've sort of jokingly said um, one thing that you hadn't realised is that I didn't really have anything that scores in the list. Uh, and also yeah. the right of war it kind of leans into does give away victory points to my opponent if I don't clear them out of their deployment zone. So like, you could have the scenario you could have the scenario where you finish a game on minus victory points, which is impressive even for you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think what we might do is just there's some tweaks we can do because we had points spare and we went on a bit of a spending spree. Hundred points adding a unit of tactical marines, at least you've got a line unit then that they can score. And then the rest of the army can eradicate things with plasma. <laughs> the logic is, your opponent's got, can't score victory points if they're dead, but you need something yeah. to at least claim some victory points so you can win. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't wait to get started. It's, it's a really cool looking list that you've made me in. <laughs> Uh, now I've got my hands on the models and I've seen like the Praetor and the Marines and the Contemptor especially. Oh, man, I can't wait to paint them. Um, Jay, uh, Jay, obviously you, you're Imperial Fists are nearly done, aren't they? You've talked about doing a Blood Angels Force, but I imagine you, like me, one of the downsides of reviewing the, the Lieber volumes is that I now want to start nine Traitor Legions. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Well, on the Imperial Fist, obviously I've been building and painting the Imperial Fist, and I was basing it around the older rules uh in particular the stone gauntlet right of war which was a right of war imperial fist took which really focused on um the sort of dug in defending kind of gameplay um and it sort of encouraged you to take lots of units with with boarding shields and things like this so i had breacher squads phalanx warders terminators with shields um that right of war has changed slightly uh, in terms of the um, benefits it gives you, which which never really fussed me, I, w- I wasn't really playing for for the benefits. Um, but but also in the composition, um, in that now you have to take more units of phalanx warders rather than um, uh, the breaches, which as it happens isn't a bad thing because phalanx warders got a real boost in the uh, in the Liber Astartes, the new rules. So that so from a gameplay point of view, it's not a bad thing at all, uh, and it hasn't really adjusted much in my list so basically i've had to swap out a unit of breaches for a unit of warders um but my imperial fist army it's more themed about you know the the siege of terror um and holding the line basically you know that the traitors are gonna have to come at me i think um but yeah you're right flicking through the libra start so obviously i've got a fledgling blood angels army down here prime a couple of dreadnoughts and a couple of squads and that is the next army that i want to um, build and sort of take to 3,000 points. The problem I'm having with the Blood Angels is uh, I've tried to write army lists with the book that we've got, and I can't build an army list that I'm happy with. That I, it, it that feels like a Blood Angels army, and that I want to use. Um, so that's the that's the battle I'm having at the moment, and I, I need to really sit down and think about how I'm going to grow that Blood Angels army. I've bought um, ordered the the new Horus Heresy starter set. Um, so I'm going to see where I can get, you know, you've got the chain bayonets and regular bayonets on tactical squads, maybe in a couple of rhinos to race up the board, that kind of thing. 
Uh, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, Matt, you're right. There's so many cool rules. So the, the Iron Hands and Salamanders in particular look really, really cool. Well, Salamanders especially. Um, and, you know, you talked, Matt, about building a Dreadnought army. I'm not sure if there's anything on the traitor side that, that, that synergizes well with the Dreadnought list. If there's not, definitely check out those two legions. You'll really like them. Um, the Dark Angels, Dave, yeah, they've got the most options for rights of war. They've got six individual rights of war. Mm. You've got the hexagrammation, which is a way you can... So each of your squads can be um, tailored towards a particular um uh you know play style so you may have a squad that's more focused on taking out infantry a squad that's more focused on taking out monsters and vehicles that sort of thing through the different exclamations and then you've got your orders to layer on top of that lots of customization um reading through the book it seems like some of the earlier legions and, and i don't know if this was the case as well for you matt when you were reading through the traitor counterpart the Liber hereticus your istvan legions your raven guard your salamanders your iron hands they're quite Slim compared to your likes of your Dark Angels, your um, White Scars and your um, Blood Angels in terms that, you know, they've got the Primarch and two units. It, it seems to me that there's a lot of room there for expanding those particular legions. Yeah. Back back when the original Black Box came out, they, they wrote a lot of profiles for like characters and stuff and they never made models and they made basically a, a Terminator and a Power Armor unit for each Legion and the Primarch and maybe a character or two if you're lucky. And it's exactly the same here. Then as we got to the more recent books, we saw a shift where Forgewood would put out a very themed force for that kind of Legion. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it just means that as we get round to maybe an Istvan book for second edition, then Forge would have got the opportunity to put out updated kits or new kits or new units. We saw some examples of that on the um, on Warcom. There's the the Star Killers for the Empress Children, who are an elite heavy choice. Um, the the Empress Children have shifted a little bit in this book to be more of a a mixed arms force. You've got your close combat element, but then there's also a a heavy part of the Legion, which is all the las cannons, all the melters, all the plasma, all the time. Hence my Kratos joining that kind of part of the army. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we got an upgrade kit, for example, that lets you distinguish your heavy support squad as them, which is not in this book, but is maybe looked at in an Istvan book or something like that. Um, and I, I think, like with Necromunda, we've seen a lot of things added even if it's just a model or an upgrade frame or something over the years this that's you know it's been a long time since the first edition of horus heresy came out i imagine this will be something they want to keep running with new products and supplements and upgrades coming out so while some of the early legions maybe are a little bit bare bones compared to your your dark angels and, and the like um i think eventually everyone will get all those cool toys yeah, they, they have got a section at the beginning of the book, the expanded rules versus core rules. And you touched on it there with your Sun Killers, where Games Workshop will release PDFs online of units that will be perfectly legal in games. And you can add, um, and there's a few examples of them. You've got your Empress Children um, Sun Killers. There's the Imperial Fist Huskars. Um, I think there's a White Scar Destroyer Squad and that sort of thing. Yeah, and, and those things, yes, they might start on Warcom, but eventually they might wind up in a book as well. It's, it's good that they've called out that there isn't a distinction between what's legal, as if the Horus Heresy police would come around your house and burn your models. If the rules are out available, you can use them. 
and I think people get a lot very het up about this, predominantly from a tournament point of view. And I think it's worth probably saying in this this kind of uh, section that at its core, Horus Heresy is a, a narrative game. It's essentially an in-universe historical game, isn't it? We're yes. reenacting events that have happened 10,000 years ago. What it isn't is working out on a spreadsheet the most effective list possible. I think if you go in with that mindset, you're going to have less fun than if you just take what looks cool and create something that fits the army for the law. I think that's the most important thing when building your thing. So Dave's Dark Angels list maybe isn't the most, um, you know, competitive in an event, but um, fitting the edicts of that wing absolutely on point and fits thematically and you'll have more fun using that than min maxing for efficiency mm. yeah i i, I agree um, for for me i mean a lot of this is just it's just having fun um using a primark and using a primark yeah and lots of tanks lots of plasma and um, if i manage to win a game great i just want to have some fun Awesome. So it, it's really cool, but all the stuff is amazing. We're going to talk more about the rules over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, it's probably going to be Horus Heresy month on the podcast, isn't it? And on the channel and yeah, all well, the heresy all the time. We've <laughs> got our game at Warhammer World this week uh, where we can try the new rules out. Um, we'll take some pictures of our uh, painted armies on the Warhammer tables. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, to end this section, should we have a little glimpse at the future? Now, obviously, at the minute... We've only got rules for Space Marines. And Space Marines are cool and a big chunk of the Horus Heresy. But there's actually a lot of armies that also exist in addition to the 18 legions. You've got the Talons of the Emperor made up of um, not only the Custodes and the Sisters of Silence, but also the Assassins, who I don't think we've had rules for before in the Horus Heresy system. We've got the, um, the Mechanicum made up of the various aspects of the Mechanicum. Um, the Dark Mechanicum, the Titan Legions, they're all going to have their own book. We've got the Solar Exilia, who incorporates the the various Chaos Cults as well, and, and Traitor Guard, and Renegades, and Heretics, and Mutants, and all that weird stuff. Uh, and then finally, we've got the best army, the Demons of the Ruin Storm, who are the kind of um, proto-demons that exist at the time of the Heresy. So presumably those books are going to be on the way and it wouldn't surprise me if they come fairly soon after release i don't think games Workshop are going to want anyone feeling kind of left out or unable to use their army if any of them are going to be a long time off it wouldn't surprise me that if at launch we get a get you by pdf but honestly i think in the next couple of months we'll see those four books come out i don't know what you think yeah. jay um well, yeah, uh, we're going to the Warhammer event, aren't we, in July? Um, and originally this was billed as a Horus Heresy version one, I guess, tournament. Uh, and then we received an email not so long ago to say that it's going to be using the new rules, um, but it's going to be restricted to just legions of starters, loyalists and traitor legions. Um, so obviously, if you were intending to go to that event, take in an army of custodians or an army of knights or something like that, you're not going to be able to. But in the email, they did say that they're, they're planning another event later in the year um, where you will be able to use those armies, which suggests to me that the rules for those armies will be out before the end of the year. Yeah, I, I, I think that'd be cool. And obviously, we know the big commander mod always come in. It'd be silly to release him without a book to go alongside, wouldn't it? Like yeah. I say, even if it's towards the end of the year, it's not 
too long to wait. Um, Not because we're in June now, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, that leaves the exciting prospect is that over time, you know, the intent is to make a lot of the core stuff plastic. Plastic Solar Auxilia, Plastic Mechanicum. Uh, there's lots of core stuff they can do. Excellent. Uh, well, I hope everybody's enjoyed that section. Uh, and if you have been on the fence about pre-ordering um, you know, the Heresy Age of Darkness box, maybe that's just pushed you over the edge to, to commit a purchase. Uh, our thanks again to Games Workshop for sending us all this really cool stuff for us to be able to give you this uh, content. Um, I'll put links in the podcast notes. We do head over to bruisingbruise.com and our YouTube channel to check out all those um, glorious videos and articles that the guys have put so much time and effort into. Um, and they're well worth a read and a watch. We are going to let the guys um, just chat for a few moments, but when we come back, we're going to be talking top three. So, uh, yeah, keep listening. Keeping with the heresy theme on this week's episode uh, of this podcast, we're going to be talking about our top three Horus Heresy characters throughout the series. I'm going to kick us off this week with... Um, my third choice, who's my only traitor on this list, and that is Khan the Betrayer for the World Eaters. So, um, what I particularly like about this character is he his level-headedness, is... calm, <laughs> his composure in battle. I mean, ironically, he is relative, <laughs> relatively level-headed compared to some other members of his uh, legion. Exactly this, and I think I think what appeals about most about it is I only knew him from 40k before i delved into the horus heresy and so it was interesting seeing him in a completely not a completely different light but you know when you re- read so much about him in 40k and how absolutely nuts he is <laughs> um you actually like this guy seems semi normal um so th- that really appealed to me i really enjoyed reading um about khan um my second choice um pretty much every time he kind of appears on the page he always seems to be doing something epic. Uh, so I'm going to go for Sigismund of the Imperial Sigismund, Fist. yeah. yeah. Um, so Less he, Dawn's champion and more Deaths himself. Yeah, he's, uh, he's he's very cool. He's very epic. Um, he's very much what the sort of heroes of the heresy are about. You know, he's not a Primarch, but he, he, he absolutely is, is taking names. Um, so he was my second choice. But my top choice... Um, I would like to actually read more about, uh, in particular, kind of what well, I'm hoping I'll get to read more about him as we kind of carry on the siege and I delve a bit more deeper into the, the older heresy books. But my top choice was Garrow, Nathaniel Garrow. Um, again, in particular, one thing that kind of really drew me to the character was after speaking to you guys about is, you know, he basically was the starting point of like the Grey Knights and the Inquisition. Um, so before I'd really delved into the Horus Heresy books, I'd already kind of had that background because I'm, I'm, I'm big into the Inquisition stuff. Um, so I've really enjoyed reading about this character um, and I look forward to reading more about him because anybody who set the Imperium to the path of the Inquisition it, it is, a, is a hero in my book because it's like my favourite part of uh, the Astartes, really. Um, Andy, what is your top three? So... I fin- recently finished uh, listening to Master of Mankind, of which um, properly made me a traitor. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I've not actually got any traitors in my top three, um, which is a bit bizarre. But you know, hey ho. Um, 
my third choice has to be Ra Endymion from Master of Mankind. He is so cool. You know, just throughout the whole of the book, you know, you really get a sense that he is one of the 10,000. You know, the, the Emperor really does trust him, you know, almost like a brother. Like you imagine at some point, like he trusted Horace. And um, yeah, more towards... than he trusted Horus. I think I think the Emperor has more faith and trust and companionship with the custodians than he did the Primarchs. And if you read Master, you've read Master of Mankind. There's a scene where there's a flashback and he's showing Ra, he's showing Ra in his vision where they recovered the Angron, Angron? Primarch yeah. of the Twelfth, is it? Yeah. And the way he talks about Angron compared to the way he talks to his custodians, there's a big difference there. I think. Yeah, I mean... Then it's a book club, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the ending, which I'm not going to spoil if you haven't um, read it or listened to it, which I fully recommend you do, the, the, the ending kind of... Um, yeah, it doesn't really feel like that, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, Ra throughout the... I, I feel like he almost stole the book for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was cool to see bits with the emperor in and you kind of get a, a feeling of what the emperor was you know his grand vision and what he was trying to do with humanity and stuff but it's really raw for me that really captivates what the ten thousand are um so yeah listening to master of mankind the whole way through i was just like yeah raw's awesome you, you know and when you get to the end and you can only remember the name of one custodian you know that that's a it, it stands out. So uh, Ra was my third choice. Um, similar to Dave, um, my second choice was Nathaniel Garrow. Um, because yeah, I I've listened to the audiobooks with him in going around the galaxy recruiting people for, um, you know for um, oh, the Vigilite, the Vigilite, Sigilite. There you go. Um, for Malfador. Yeah, for the Knights Errand. Um, and some of those stories were so unbelievably amazing. Like there's one with um, an Ultrine's librarian um, fighting on Kalf against word bearers. Tyler um, Rubio, isn't it, I think? Yeah, and, and that story was amazing. And, and seeing Garrow in it, you know, he he doesn't care that, um, you know, psychers are outlawed. He, he cares about the... That, um Rubio or whatever his name is, the librarian, that is loyal, you know, and, and that to him means more than, you know, which side, well, I mean, not which side you're fighting on, but, you know, his loyalty means everything to him. And I think Garrow, when I first sort of read the Flight of the Eisenstein book, you know, he really does hold his crew together and, and get them through to terror and then right at the end when he has a uh, again spoilers um has a chat with uh dawn you know just to see that interaction you know the rest of his legion has gone rogue but he is remaining loyal to the emperor i think you know really does speak a lot about his character so for me like like dave said i can't wait to to listen to some more audiobooks and more stories to to see what he gets up to and who he recruits next and stuff. So I think he's a really cool character that I hope they expand on a bit more going forwards. Um, and then my first choice has to be Garviel Loken. So during the first three 
books, Horus Rising, um, and especially Galaxy in Flames, the third book, Loken was almost that voice of reason. You know, he was the one sort of questioning stuff. He was the one, you know, he was definitely a sons of Horus, but he was he was still loyal to the emperor and right at the end when all hope is lost like you know again spoilers but in galaxy in flames when the loyalists are basically just decimated there's no hope for them whatever he's still fighting on he knows that he's not going to get off the planet he's not going to survive but he still fights on and the duel between him and abaddon right at the end was absolutely amazing and again, you're going back to Nathaniel Garrow, one of his uh, stories, spoilers, uh, he goes back to Istvan and finds a warrior um, killing all these sort of heretic mutants on the planet. And uh, bizarrely enough, it turns out to be Garvio Loken, which I was so happy we brought that character back into the heresy. And like I said, for me, Loken was the the original loyalist for me so yeah he's definitely my first choice excellent yeah great top three um matt what what was yours so i'm gonna start with number three and i I, i've got a lot of loyalists on this list which is surprising but my third choice is malkador the sigilite he is just awesome i he while the emperor's indisposed during the latter half of the heresy this guy is essentially kind of leading the imperium dawn's more the kind of like militaristic leader but he's really magilite uh, the the sigilite uh kind of strategizing and, and seeing things that maybe dawn isn't aware of yet there's a few moments i don't want to go too much into spoilers here because i know a lot of people haven't read the, the siege of terror but there's a lot of things that even Dawn's not aware of that. Malkador just like, you know, casually drops into conversation. Um, yeah, but you can see him having a bit of a, a a sinister side as well, like where he he um basically dooms the uh the, the planet they um the, the, the word bearers have got uh Monarchy it's called, isn't it? Oh yeah, where, uh, yeah. He's, he's sent to um enact the emperor's will and um essentially nuke it from orbit um yeah he's, he's just a really interesting character there's some touch and go moments during fury of magnus in particular and jay will know what i'm talking about yeah. where i had to just put the book down <laughs> and go for a walk because i couldn't quite cope with what had happened uh, anyone who's read it will completely understand that but the sigilite's got a plan i'm interested to see what happens in i suspect the final book where he's got to uh, take his place on the throne while um the emperor goes and deals with his wayward son um also he's instrumental you mentioned the um the 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 inquisition and the gray knights he is very kind of instrumental in that and 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 the the pulling the strings for the remembrance order and all of that kind of stuff malkador does a lot of stuff that shapes the imperium in the future and for he is more he's, he's very old but he is mortal technically he's um got a lot of sway second only really to the emperor mm. um my second choice is my, my, my single traitor choice 
and it is uh, Pert Rabo. He, uh. of all the traitor Primarchs, he feels the most, I guess, human and not insane. <laughs> to the point where he's, similar to Abaddon, is disgusted at what his brother Primarchs have done. And he can't really understand you know why they've done it. He goes to the the siege of terror as a matter of honor and principle, more like a game of chess to better his brother Dawn. But he doesn't agree with you know Fulgrim, Mortarian, uh, Angron giving themselves up to these demonic entities. And essentially, when Petrabo's part in the siege is done, he 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 leaves Earth and doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, which I think is an interesting kind of take. Um, my first choice, however, and you're going to give me some stick for this, but it'll all make sense, is the master of mankind himself. Yeah. Uh, record, Dave. Get, you, yeah, you are definitely recording this, but aren't you? We can get that definitely. up on the website next week. Yeah. Did, did you say the emperor, Matt? The, 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 the emperor himself, the oh, master dear. of mankind, is the most interesting character within the Horus Heresy series for the reason of we discovered during the course of the Horus Heresy series why Horus turned on him because he's a terrible terrible man (laughs) is the emperor of mankind he just treats his children as weapons that he can use and discard he makes a pact with the chaos gods and essentially doesn't pay up his half of the bill which then leads to the whole events of this entire storyline because of what he's done. He he finds out that Angron has got the butcher's nails embedded in his skull and he can save him, but he instead decides to leave them there, even though it's causing Angron horrific pain because an angry guard dog is a better guard dog to have. <laughs> he's just a terrible, terrible man. Um, and I'm not surprised, you know, half the legions turned against him because what a terrible dad he is. <laughs> See, I think I think you may be re- remembering that wrong. Did I thought that scene, if he took the butcher's nails out, it would kill him. So he left him in, and he said, "Even a damaged Primarch is is still a Primarch." Mm, well, he was a bit, know. he was a bit, he was a bit cold and dismissive of all, and and he didn't never refer to him as his son. And I think there's even some cool passages in that book where they talk about the way the Primarchs call him father and he, how he just um, he says they're not my sons, they're tools, and and he just sort of almost like um, humors them, you know, by them calling him father and things like that. Um, He's he's very arrogant though, and 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 and. He's the emperor. Kind of, he is the emperor of mankind. You would be quite <laughs> arrogant if you were the emperor of mankind. But he 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 he, see, he always feels like he he seems he knows better than everybody else. And even at times, Malkador's trying to hold him in check with that. Mm. That even the emperor doesn't know everything. Um. And you see flashes of anger from him as well. I quite like the sections that you get where you've got the kind of mental battle between the emperor and horus yeah horus i couldn't quite put in this because to a point now i'm a big chaos player but to a point i agree with abaddon there's a tipping point where horus isn't horus anymore he's just a puppet for the gods 
Mm. And and you see that over the course of the series when the early ones you've got you've got horse he was a charismatic leader wasn't he exactly yeah and you've got this this mental battle going towards them but towards the end of the siege of terror it's really just a shell and it's the kind of the gods in the background that are having the conversation with the emperor not horus himself anymore which is an interesting shift over the series and i am really looking forward to seeing that final showdown and and how that plays out is it going to be horus versus the emperor or is it really the emperor versus the chaos gods and the shell of his former son mm. Mm. should be a very interesting uh, last book i really need to catch up so i'm ready for it <laughs> right that just leaves you jay what's your top three? Oh man so you mentioned sigismund dave he was on my list i've shifted the list around he's no longer on my list but i do like sigismund um a character who introduced to in master of mankind Dominion Zephon of the Blood Angels, the bringer of sorrow. I mean, I think I've said this tons of times before, how uh, I could never really find a good Blood Angels book in the Horus Heresy series. You know, was it um, No Fear to Tread or something? I can't remember. No, it wasn't Fear to Tread. The one where they're on Cygnus Prime. It's the Blood Angel book where Sanguinius falls and then then beats Cabanda. Didn't really like that book. And uh, Master of Mankind came along, and there's one single Blood Angel in it, and he's incredible. And yeah, I, I just think he's a really, really cool character to read about. Um, he's mentioned again in um, the following book, Saturnine. And I really hope, I, I think they name drop him in the article that went up on Warhammer Community recently, where they're sort of previewing Echoes of Eternity, which is the, the penultimate book that's coming later in the year. Uh, with Sanguinius on the cover. So I think this is, uh, well, I, I thought it would be where Sanguinius fights Cabanda outside at, at the Eternity Gates on Terra, but it sounds like he may be fighting Angron instead. We don't know. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so Zephyr's a great character. Master of Mankind, um, he features quite heavily in that book. Uh, my second favourite character is also a character that's in Master of Mankind, but he's not in it um, for very long. He, he just gets like a passing part in it, and that's Constantine Valdor. And I just like everything about this character. So this is, you know, the Captain General of the Custodian Guard. Apparently, maybe still at large in the galaxy in the 41st millennium as well, but but um, we'll we'll have to see. Um, but certainly in the 31st millennium and in the years leading up to the Great Crusade, the Unification Wars, he was the Emperor's foremost companion uh, alongside the Sigilite. Um, and, I mean, the Custodians are just a level above your your regular Astartes and and to some degree even the Primarchs as well in that each one of them is a unique sort of piece of genetic engineering and bioscience um, and they've just got that much sort of depth of character and skill and purpose uh, I really really like reading about the custodians and Valdor is great and the fact that Fordra released a really stunning model for him as well just really sort of builds up my sort of love for that character um, but my First choice has to be the great angel himself, Sanguinius. Um, he's unique amongst the Primarchs in that he he's, has an outward sign of mutation. He's got those great angel wings. And in an Imperium that the Emperor was trying to build, which was, what what did they call it, where they bring compliance to worlds? But it's the Imperial Truth, is it? Yeah. Now, where, you know, gods aren't real. Religion isn't real. It's just the Imperial Truth. And yet the Emperor saw fit to create one of his primarchs with angel wings it's just it's it's just an interesting sort of story hook in the universe that despite everything the emperor is saying and everything he was trying to build 
one of his sons looked like an angel. Um, and it's something Sanguinius battles with as well, that out of all of his brothers, even the ones that have fallen to chaos, he's got this mutation on show in front of everybody. And what do other people think of him? And, you know, is he already corrupted? Is he already damned? Um, and he's such a, you know, he, he battles with that internally. Um, and of course, from what we know so far, uh, from from the little bits we've had of the Horus Heresy over the last 20, 30 years I've been playing Warhammer, Sanguinius obviously meets his end fighting Horus. He's, he's, he's you know, his closest brother um, to save the Emperor. Um, and we're getting to that part in the Black Library series now where that, that famous encounter is, is getting closer and closer. And the guys, they rib me all the time when we go to Warhammer World <laughs> and there's poor Sanguinius dead on the steps in front of Horus and the Emperor. And they point out that he's also wearing a dress. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how this scene pans out and whether whether he does actually go to fight Horus in a dress, in which case I'll hold my hands up and I'll accept all the all the ribbon I get when we go to Warhammer World in the future. But I'm hoping he redeems himself a little bit and shows his, uh, shows these guys how he is the greatest character in the Horus Heresy. I I have a feeling your dreams will come true, Jay. But we'll we'll see we'll see we'll we'll hold um, judgment on that. So they are our top three choices, but of course, as always, we open the floor to our community to send in their choices. They are what we're going to read out next, so we'll be right back. It is time to finish off this week's podcast episode with the community top three picks. We're going to try and read out as many as we can. We have had quite a few replies this week. And we're going to start over on Facebook. Josh Upton starts with, I'll try to keep this short. Um, his third choice is Abaddon and his love-hate relationship with Zardu Lyak. I wanna, I'm just going to put a disclaimer here that if I pronounce any of these names wrong, I, I do apologise. I'm terrible at pronouncing Warhammer names. Uh, he has so much more character development since the first trilogy. And he's also put his scene in Saturnine was amazing. His second choice is Lotaro Sarin. Absolute no-nonsense badass. Goes as far as shooting a world eater in the face for shouting at her. Really excited for what happens to her in Echoes of Eternity. And his first choice is Malkador. I love that he's portrayed as both an almost evil mastermind and never telling Garrow anything and being a polite and old wise figure, father figure, especially to the Primarchs by calling them by their first names or then referring to him as uncle. It's very wholesome. Also, the story where he and the emperor play Renicide really humanises him too. Basically what you said, Matt, uh, about uh, Malkador there. I can't wait till we get a model for Malkador. I'm surprised we haven't got one yet, even as a a show-only model, because I would drop everything and paint him up. Carl Mine says, only free, let's try. His third choice is Torgadon. His favourite character from the original trilogy. Um, his second choice is Sevatar. The audiobook with him talking to the little girl gives me chills every time I hear it. I've not heard that, so uh, I'll take your word for that, Kyle. But his top choice uh, is Argal Tal. I love the doomed fatalism uh, that drives him onward and his bromance with Khan. Only wish we hadn't been robbed of the climactic showdown we'd been promised. Um, he's a he's a good cool character for you as well, isn't he, Matt? I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, I'll go to tell you, yeah, three. There's, there's a lot of cool characters. It's hard to pick three. Yeah, I'll go tell though. He's a badass. Nick Rapson again says this is a tough one, but he's gone for Keeler, the saint, faced down a demon, as I recall, in one of the first three heresy novels. 
Um, his second choice is Casper Horson, also called Ahmed Rushtar. All these words provided a fantastic insight to the route during the events leading up to the heresy. And his top choice is Lacton Cruz. I think that's how you pronounce it. Called the Half Herd, represented the best of the Lunar Wolves as they once were, a traditionalist and not afraid to make it known. Pretty sure Nick picked the um, the worst names for me to pronounce there in his top three. Um, Curtis Godby uh, finishes off on Facebook with the third cho- his third choice is the dude that overloaded that bomb that caused the Tyranids to come. He's an Iron Warrior. Um, do we know who the name of that person? Uh, he he was a Tetmarine. He was a loyal Iron Warrior. Yes, Andy, can you believe it? There are loyal Iron Warriors. <laughs> um, and it was it was the Imperium Secundus, wasn't it? But that was a good book. Was it Fall or something like that? I think it was. Mm. Um, his second choice is Rylanor for telling Fulgrim to. I can't say that on the podcast. I'm afraid. Kurt, but, <laughs> um, he t- he tell he tells him something a bit rude. Uh, and his top choice as the Phoenician te- technocrancy soldier that Loken talked with before Horace went all murder, happy for their STC. Um, so thanks for that, guys. Um, but I believe we have some more over on Twitter, Matt. We do. We have a ton over on Twitter. So Fabius Fulgrim says that uh, John Grammaticus, Grammaticus nearly made my list, but I couldn't really talk about him without spoilers, so I, I left <laughs> him off. Uh, Garbio Loken and Fabius Bile. Uh, Pete Allison says, kill Cinderman. Cinderman, again, almost made my list because he's amazing and really kind of formed the, the becomes the first of the Inquisition, really. Uh, old Person and Malkador, Claude Savagely says, the collective of Xiphon, Land and the Monkey. Again, amazing in Master of Mankind. Casper <laughs> Husser and Angle Tau. Uh, Andy Eternal, Garrow. Um because they show themselves better than their respective Primarchs and Malkador, I can't stand the thought that he dies in the end. He's a very and character, powerful, loyal, and extremely likable. Um, JP Riley says, Jigati uh, Khan, Lionel Johnson, and Cor Swain. Love the Dark Angels before I started reading the Deeper Heresy lore, but the Khan is just something else. Warhawk is a phenomenal read. Yeah. Uh, Darren Driver says, um, Enid Thiel, if you know, you know. Tor Gadden, even though he dies early on, and Sol Tarvitz. Uh, Somber Mind says Sol Tarvitz because he's cool. Horus, because even though he's fallen, he is a super badass. And The Lion, because I'm a Dark Angels fan. Uh, Lost in the Mortal Realms. Nikona Sharokin. Wraith Slipping Raven Guard. Total badass in combat. Warsmith Barbus Dantiak, who stayed loyal to the Emperor, even though he was an Iron Warrior. That must be uh, him then, yeah. Made friends with Alexi Pollux. Love that relationship in Pharos. Yeah, that's the character. And uh, Argo Tau, just an all-round great character. Average Paint says Garou, Argo Tau, and Sheban Khan. All good space marine dudes who just want to do right by their human pals. Eric says Khan, uh, Latara Sarin, and Argo Tau. Heretic Wargaming, Dawn, because he did kind of save terror. Mm. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> to Gizman, because he's an ultra badass. I don't know what the next level up is. We're getting pretty high on the badass stakes here. And Abaddon, because of Baden. Um, Darren Winter says Malkador. A fascinating insight into imperial politics and the power behind the throne. Number two, little Horus Aximand. An unsung hero of the Sons of Horus who helped the success of the Dark Compliance. And Khan, it's Khan, nothing else needs to be said. Sean Gill says Lorgar, Erebus, 
and Corfair and Erebus. Nobody likes Erebus apart from Sean, I think. <laughs> uh, somebody actually commented saying, why would you say something so controversial and yet so brave? <laughs> um, Alistair, Nathaniel Garrow, Ol and Araman. Mm. And Steele finally says, can Garvey or Loken be all three? Innocent, defeated and vengeful. Garvey is a cool character, isn't he? But um, unfortunately... He turned from the light of uh, the War Master, and so is dead to me. <laughs> so, yeah, some really fun stuff there today. Thank you to everybody for submitting your top threes. Matt, can you enlighten us with next week's top three? So, obviously, we've got the new uh, Libra Hereticus and Libra Astarte. So, people can start, especially with car reviews, putting together their forces for their Horus Heresy armies. So, I want to know the top three units you want to add to your current Horus Heresy army, and Jay already is frantically flicking through the book. <laughs> Excellent. So you can get your choices in early via our social media channels, or alternatively, you can hang fire until our tweet and Facebook message go up, asking for your top threes before our next show recording. That brings episode 188 to a close. My thanks to uh, everybody for, for listening to this week's podcast. And we'll be back again next week. Have a great week of hobby and speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruesandbrews.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruesandbrews or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruesandbrews.